there, this is Erin Nicole and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show I interview people from all over the world. I also do sermons from the divine when he inspires a topic through me throughout my day. Sometimes I share music with you to help empower you to find happiness from within. Uh, this is a, a show another tool in your toolbox for mental health resources that bring you relevant research, real stories, real science, and I try to bring some some humor in there. Um, although I was called into ministry from the creator of the universe, and in our household we worship the Holy Trinity, Father of all of us, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I do have some foul language, so parents, just be aware. I'm trying my best. I'm learning. He allows us to be exactly who we are and he grows us he equips us he molds us and I know eventually I probably won't have any potty language well we'll see we'll see my target audience is veterans and first responders so we'll see I try to be myself and encourage you to do the same I'm just hanging out in my uh, temporary address I was uh, chatting with a friend. Before that, I was translating my 98th song since 2020, October 2020. Um, I've had songs before that that I wrote, but I've been keeping track. I've been in a contest for three years, and uh, we are approaching the finish line. I have won it. I knew I won it before I even was told I was entered into it because the Lord assigned me this big mission in the world to help people with depression because he broke the chains of pain that I had been suffering for 18 years and and so this is my service to the world um, I would like to keep this this show ad free forever if possible and uh, have uh, events in the back end once we get contracts signed with our leadership and whatnot. Um, so as I was working on translating this song, it's going to be um, sung in uh, the Holy Spirit said it in uh, 2025 and in, in all schools across America. It's going to be three languages sung. I'm really excited. It's a patriotic song for the children of veterans. And uh, he kind of whispered, I get these little nudges in my spirit, like, you're going to get a sermon. You're going to get something. And I just, I'm learning to hear his voice. I'm learning to be obedient and to just stop whatever I'm doing to allow him to truly lead my life. And he said, uh, the topic, <laughs> I'm laughing because we, uh, we serve a very humorous father. If you are in our faith system, and if not, we welcome you to listen and learn, and and uh, that's okay for you to have a different faith system. But uh, he's very humorous. He's very timely with everything. He lives in inside me, and he whispered to me the topic. Uh, my dad is a rock star. <laughs> very timely. Um, as I record this. It is the day before his uh, death anniversary. He passed away. Tomorrow will be seven years since my dad died. So I'm thinking 
I'm thinking that the Father would like me to talk to you about my, my Father. And uh, whatever comes out is, is not pre-planned. It's going to be honest from me to you. And uh, so if you're a father or if you are married to a father, you have children or a grandfather, uh, or you know someone that is a father that you admire, respect, or a fatherly figure, maybe they don't have kids, like my Uncle Tim. Uh, that's a quote around that. Uh, he's not a blood relative. He was my dad's best friend. He didn't have any kids. They chose not to for medical allergy reasons and whatnot. Um, great father figure. Um, great father figure. Uh, all right, Father, uh, I thank you and I praise you for this platform to share your hope, your truth, and to share a little bit about my family. To those that are listening, Father, I ask you to guide this conversation and for me to release only things that would edify my family, that would only be truthful and would help the listeners that are struggling with their depression. I thank you and I praise you in your name. Amen. Okay, so... uh, I grew up in a household. I'm the granddaughter of a World War II veteran, so my dad did not serve in the military, but it's hard to break away from those patterns of being the child of a, a veteran. So uh, I'm the youngest, of course, of a family of five. And uh, dad was very particular about things. I remember at a very young age, uh, things were to be done with excellence. Uh, he was a very organized person, and he also was very protective. Uh, windows were shut, blinds were shut all the time. We lived in the hood. Our parents decided at uh, young ages. I'm not sure when mom decided to stay at home. I think it might have been when she was pregnant with my middle brother, um, because she worked for a little bit in the beginning of their relationship. Uh, When I was born, uh, from what I recall, she was a full-time stay-at-home mother to take us to appointments and whatnot, the very traditional Western society family. That means they sacrificed half their income so that they didn't waste it. And I say waste loosely. If you go to daycare or you take your kids to daycare, it's no judgment. They couldn't see the logic behind sending their kids to have somebody else raise them and pay them when mom could do it for free. So she sacrificed her career and her income, which was a huge level of trust for her and a huge level of trust for my father. Now, dad was very good salesperson, very good. I don't think it was the career path that the Lord desired for him but there wasn't the internet back then and you couldn't have a whole lot of choices and options if you struggled with depression and you had low self-esteem now dad never said he had depression until uh actually he never said that out loud but i knew he did i was i'm a very intuitive person empathic person and uh i could see it and i can sense people's emotions i've i've got that uh, empath skill and uh life was harder for for adults that didn't have computers they had to work 
they had to connect with people and uh, deal with the ramifications of the economy and all kinds of things, but very spiritually connected. He grew up in the church, uh, I believe the Baptist church, um, in Tacoma. And his best friend's father was the one of the pastors there. I think there was a few pastors of the church, a pretty small, like medium to small size, like a couple hundred probably members of this uh, this church. I We went there when I was a little baby, up until about five years old. And they've changed names a few times, as churches do sometimes, just like businesses do. They are businesses. They're nonprofit businesses. And um, dad was uh, very good in business, and he also was very spiritually sound. He followed the scriptures, and he loved learning and listening to spiritual leaders. And he picked my mom <laughs> uh, before, uh, of course, any of us kids were born. Uh, he had applied for an auto loan in California. And my mom worked in the credit union. And he said, I'll take you on a date if I get approved for this loan. And the rest was history after that. <laughs> he was always selling something. He was he was selling water down in California. I think it was Sparklets or some similar company and doing doing a great job with that and uh, was always in a rush everywhere. He'd say things like, we're off like a dirty shirt. <laughs> Cheesy little dad jokes and phrases and whatnot. Um, he was a hard man to live with, though. I think a lot of that had to do with being the son of a World War II veteran and being the, uh, the firstborn. So in, in the scriptures, I was reading Deuteronomy yesterday, um, almost through the whole book, and there, uh, I forget which chapter it is, but it talks about the, uh, the birthing rights. The, the firstborn has uh, like special rights and whatnot. And I think he was favored, definitely was favored. And um, so mom had to put up with that. And she chose to, right? She, she, I'm sure they had their issues together and whatnot. They were married 40 years when dad died. And they would have stayed married because they were committed. They both were very committed to each other. They both were committed uh, to their faith. And um, I, at a very young age... I was very concerned, I was the peacekeeper in the family, that they might get a divorce. Because a lot of my friends down the street that I grew up around were from uh, single parent families. And or, um, I don't know who told me that word, but at five years old I drew a picture and gave it to my dad. And, and I couldn't draw very good, but it was my interpretation of the family breaking apart. And... Uh, they started getting, I think, couples therapy at the church through uh, one of the pastors and whatnot. He was a rock star to me, though. Uh, all I saw was good. I was his princess, of course, as uh, daughters are supposed to be. And I was also the baby. So there's, there's dynamics in families of birth order. You can look up uh, the behavior of 
of where you're you're born and your order it's very fascinating in uh, sociology and psychology and whatnot and uh, dad was a rock star I remember I was homeschooled um, all three of us kids were homeschooled and uh, till for my middle brother and me till sixth grade my oldest brother he had issues so mom was like mm, you're going to public school I ain't got time for your energy and uh Dad would be gone uh, most of the week up until I was 11 doing regional sales for little mom-and-pop stores, the little, uh, like, gas station shops and little little small stores uh, around the region of Washington State. There was, I think, five states that he was responsible for, and he was very good at it. And um, he was able to support a family of five on a single income back in the late 80s, early 90s. And then the internet came out, computers started to become readily available, and things started changing. And, uh, but um, I think bef- we might have had a computer. I'm trying to think. I think we had a computer towards, towards uh, the time when I got into public school. And they never used the terminology that we were poor, but money was a stressor. I think most households growing up, money is a... Money and sex for for adults, for uh, couples. Those are the number two reasons for divorce or for happiness in your relationship. At least that's what marriage therapists say. And uh, they were very conservative parents. Uh, We went to church every Sunday. We tithed. Dad taught us about tithing. If you're not familiar with what that is, it's you give your first tenth of whatever you earn to the church and it's it's in the scriptures you're supposed to do it and so he taught us at a young age to do that and he encouraged us finance was a stress for the relationship so he encouraged all of us to get jobs so we had a mom drove us we did a paper route my uh, middle brother was on a baseball team with the Talbots, and their mom, Julie, was the head director, manager, whatnot, of the uh, Quicksaver. It was a branch of the Tacoma News Tribune, and that helped to relieve some stress off of our dad Um, as the economy started shifting and whatnot. We started doing that when I was nine years old. Every Tuesday, we'd pick up the papers, and we'd get 10 cents per paper delivered, We'd wrap them up and put them in a little baggie to keep them, tried to keep them from getting soggy in the Washington rain. And during the school year, during the summers, of course, I was homeschooled till 11, so I was doing it every Tuesday with mom. And then when when all three of us kids got into public school, then she'd fold the papers for us. And that helped us all to realize how to earn a living and to stop asking him for things. So I learned independence at a very young age. Uh, He wanted to teach us the value of money, to teach us how you could earn money and not just have it handed to you. I think that's a very valuable skill that all parents should do. Um, And there's there's no like cookie cutter, this is how to parent, right? There's books on advisement, but everybody gets to choose how they parent differently. And I will say that 
what I believe, looking back at my childhood, I'm, I'm grateful that my father didn't just hand us allowances. They did it maybe one year, and then they realized that they weren't teaching us about responsibility and about growing up in real life by giving us an allowance. So they gave us jobs. They allowed us the opportunity if we wanted to earn money. And he asked me, Aaron, would you like to earn money every week? I said, yes, I would. He said, well, what about starting your own business? So he taught me about entrepreneurship at a very young age. I think I was the same year that we started the paper out. I wanted a pet, and he saw an opportunity to teach me how to start my own business where I would learn about inventory, I would learn about responsibility of taking care of animals and how I could contribute to our economy, even though it was a small way of doing it. You, you have to start somewhere with kids, right? And I remember to this day exactly how much I made at nine years old. I'm 37. That's an impact right there. And it gave me a sense of pride. Now, you're not supposed to be proud, right? The Bible says not to be prideful. But it gave me a sense of confidence in myself that I could earn my own living. And a few weeks ago, um, I think I was sharing on the podcast that uh, I had asked my, uh, my hero of 2020 that protected me off-grid that I married last year. Um, we've been separated because of death threats and whatnot for a year and a half, but I had told him that I desired to have a prenup before we got married because I didn't want anybody thinking I was a gold digger, that I was marrying him for his money. And I also wanted him to know he could trust me and that however he wanted his money allocated, should he die before me of his retirement, then I would make sure to do that and we'd have it in writing and there'd be no question about it. Um, then I found in the Bible um, the other day, let's see, where's it's in Colossians, Father? I forget where it was at. He'll, he'll reveal it to me if, if it's important. Um, but it actually said that you, you're supposed to desire to earn your own way, to be independent, to work a job with your hands, a laborious, honorable job, so that you don't need to be dependent on anybody. But the, the Lord will provide for you. And I've tried my best to not take handouts my whole life but to work to work hard and my dad taught me that he's a rock star I had two jobs at nine years old and there are some people that graduate high school and their first job is after they graduate high school I think that's the wrong way to do it now you parent how you want to parent uh, and, and you're going to you're, but take take from this episode what you like Leave what you don't, and hopefully you leave inspired. Now, I'm about to win a very powerful first in history with my husband by my side. Uh, two dual roles. that They've never given these titles out to anybody in the history of the world. And I owe a lot of that to the grit that I learned from my dad. Not just giving me a handout, giving me money, handing me cash, but asking me, how am I going to pay for things? When I was 10 years old, we were a part of a 35 family, like a parking lot sale. It was like a garage sale, but it was like 
parking lot sale. Uh, Mr. Krause had organized it. He's the high school choir teacher. My oldest brother was in his music company program and choir program. And, and they were fundraising for a trip to, I think it was Disneyland. So he encouraged all the families to do it together. He was great at bringing families together. He was a, another father figure in my life, a uh, mentor I got to work with for three years in high school, uh, during the day, during the school day, and after school every, every hour or every day for an hour after school. The whole month of August, we had three-hour rehearsals and whatnot. But when I was 10, before I joined, 9 or 10, somewhere around there, there was a bunch of us families that were in the Spanaway Lake High School parking lot, and Dad was there. Uh, we did the pricing the night before, picked out all our items, and they asked all of us if we wanted to be a part of it, if we wanted to sell any of our items, and uh, we can, you know, help with their fundraiser or just earn our own money. And I wanted to buy. I had this desire to learn how to play the flute because my neighbor down the street, Promise, played the flute in the junior high band. She was two years older than me, and we spent time uh, together dancing to, uh, I think it was Cindy Lauper. God, was it Cindy Lauper? Girls, they want to have fun. Um, I think it was that song. Yeah, we did a little dance one summer choreography in her backyard. And um, then she showed me she was playing her flute and whatnot. And her mom was the one that encouraged me to sing a solo uh, publicly for the first time when I was five years old performed for 300 kids and like 20 adults so I liked their family uh, they were a couple three four houses down the street and whatnot and so I had asked I told my dad I wanted to learn how to play the flute and at first uh, mom let me use her flute from when she was a kid but I accidentally thought that it'd be a good idea because promise um, was going to wash her flute so I washed <laughs> my mom's flute in the sink and we ruined my mom's antique flute so she was not too happy with me and it was not usable anymore it was going to cost more to get it fixed get it repatted and everything so dad said how are you gonna buy your own how are you gonna pay for it he didn't just say okay we'll go we'll go uh rent it out or we'll go buy it for you now some parents have the money to do that they didn't have that money so he put the responsibility on me now, I've had to unlearn some of those things. I think it's okay to learn how to ask for things, so there's definitely a balance. Uh, but I do believe I've learned the grit. I've learned it at a young age. I'm not afraid to work. I've worked my whole life, and I owe a lot of that to my father teaching it at a young age. So if I could teach you something from what my dad taught me, uh, get your children or your grandchildren working jobs at young ages and of course there's child labor laws so you know you need to be mindful of the amount of hours and whatnot but if you ask them what their goals are you can start teaching them how to goal set for purchasing their own things or their own experiences and you can teach them how to be successful adults before they become adults to decrease anxieties from the transition from you know high school to college or high school to career um, or junior high to high school right preparing them and that's what parents are supposed to do we didn't have a lot of conversations in the household growing up but that was something that dad was really good at was teaching us how to be responsible for 
ourselves for our own money situation. <laughs> so uh, he did he did a great job on that, and uh, mom was faithful and consistent, and I don't think we ever called out sick in nine years, every Tuesday, even if it was like a holiday. You better believe we were working it, and we'd cover for each other too. So if I wanted to earn extra money, my oldest brother played on the tennis team in high school, and they took first state champions. They were very good, so they took a lot of extra practices, and he was liking to date the ladies and go to dances and things like that, and he was part of the music company, so he was, he was a busy guy in high school. And so sometimes he'd say, uh, I can't do my paper out this week. Aaron, do you want to take it over? Or uh, my middle brother, Josh, do you want to take it over? And uh, we'd either split it or I'd make extra money. I never complained about making extra money. It had to be done. Mom wasn't going to do it. She was our driver. <laughs> and she was our DJ. So we got it handled. And uh, Dad set us all up for success with that. Because then we had quality time with mom and we were talking about our day and she got to learn about how our day was at school and what projects we were working on what homework we had or whatever and uh, it taught us how to stay committed to something and what what kind of uh, young adult do you know has already had nine years of working experience by the time they graduate high school not many not many. I would have kept my paper out well into college, but unfortunately the uh, the Tacoma News Tribune had made some budget cuts and uh, that part of the department had shut down. They didn't have a need for it anymore. I don't know if they went digital or if they just got rid of it altogether, but uh, that transitioned me into the working world and whatnot and college and whatnot. And uh, Dad helped prepare me to learn how to, I think, multitask. I'm not a great multitasker, but I'm learning. I'm learning how I can time manage and, and uh, focus on responsibilities before thinking about my own needs or trying to just get government handouts. Now, if you have to get a government handout because you can't keep a job, that's one thing. I've worked my whole life, and uh, I owe a lot of that to my, my father. Is a rock star. And, um, what's that, Father? Okay, he wants me to talk about the transition from when Dad died seven years ago to where we're at today. So, that year was very difficult. Um, my divorce to my first husband had finalized, I think, in May of 2016. And then I uh, had just started working as a gym manager, personal training director for LA Fitness. And uh, this was in like Federal Way, Washington. I had, at the time I was living in Puyallup, but my rent was going up. If you ever had your rent go up, you know what I'm talking about, where it was just, there was no reason for the rent to go up. It just was going up because I was paying every month. And uh, I was running out of money. I was hustling. I was, I had qualified in my first 30 days, top 100 in the nation for my position, but the compensation plan just wasn't good. They had high turnover. I had, uh, community members that warned me of that and the hours I was burned out. I worked 9am to 9pm 
Monday through Thursday with a, like a three-hour break in the middle of the day. Fridays was, I think, 9 to 7 or 9 to 8 or something like that. And then Saturdays was like a regular 8 to 5. I worked six days a week, long hours. And on my Sunday, which was my day off, I was getting group text messages from the team for their sales from all from all 13 locations that my boss was responsible for. I didn't have any break. I didn't have any separation from my job at all. And then I found out dad was sick when they helped me move to get closer to my job so that I could just walk to work if I wanted to or just like not waste time and gas and stuff because I was stretched so thin. Credit card debt out the yin-yang for the divorce process because I had to hire a lawyer because my ex got nasty in the divorce process. And um, it was not a good time, not a good time at all. And uh, during the time when they had helped me move, Dad was way out of breath. And two weeks before he was working full duty at work, it had come very swiftly and took us all by surprise. I knew something was wrong. They said he had pneumonia. And they misdiagnosed him for a couple of weeks, which delayed treatment options. And then we found out it was cancer. Then we waited a couple more weeks for what kind of cancer and how far along it was. And uh, Dad couldn't call me to tell me. he. I think he was heartbroken because he knew he was going to die. So he texted me. That uh, The doctor said he pretty much didn't have any, any hope. He said there was a trial program. Uh, like a non, I think like a trial, like test thing that wasn't approved through FDA. That he initially had been invited to be a part of it, but... His cancer was growing so swiftly across his body and it had spread into his brain that he was uh, dropped out of the program. He didn't want to do chemo. He didn't want to fight it. He had already survived cancer my first year when I got into public school. And they said they got it all. And they killed his kidney. That was the treatment back then. In, uh, I think, 91 or somewhere around there. Let's see, 91? 80? No, this would have been when I was 11, so... 97. They said they got it all because that was what doctors thought back then based on the technology that they had. The cancer had laid dormant in his body for 19 years undetectable. He did all of the treatments. Every six months he'd go get tested, checked. They'd check his levels and after five years they said you're 95% chance it's not coming back after five years. It did come back. It came back with a vengeance. A couple years before that I think was when it started to come back and they misdiagnosed him. This is my opinion. Take it or leave it. Um, They had diagnosed him with asthma. I think it had already started to spread to his lungs because of a very hard-working lifestyle. His job was 12 to 14-hour days, and he only got like five hours of sleep. Now, your sleep is very important to restore all of your cells in your body, and it helps with weight maintenance. There are two hormones that are released, uh, ghrelin and leptin, that are off if you don't get proper sleep. I learned that from a registered dietitian when I was a health educator with the U.S. Army and Air Force as part of the Armed Forces Wellness Center. 
year after a um, year and a half or so after graduate school, 2013 to 2014, I believe. And uh, she taught us that. And uh, ghrelin and leptin, um, one of them, I forget which one, but one of them provides uh, the sensation of fullness or satiety. satiety? I forget how you say the word, but it basically it tells you it, it's your brain releasing a hormone in your body saying, I'm full, don't eat anymore. Well, when you don't get good sleep, that it accelerates the release of one of the two hormones that tells you, no, you're not full, you're actually hungry. So then you eat more. So sleep is very important for weight maintenance. And dad got, he went to bed by seven and he was up by midnight. So he got five hours of sleep every night for 19 years. If you're not getting good sleep and you would like to get more sleep and you are concerned about your weight, let me encourage you to try your best to get more sleep if you can. It's not just your weight that it impacts. I believe that contributed to increasing his body's risk because our bodies are a temple for the Lord. If you have a faith system, you're supposed to take care of your temple, right? This is your house. So you want to take care of it. You want to maintain it by fueling it with good food if you can, good water if you can, right? Minimum levels of alcohol, minimum levels of tobacco if you... uh, smoke or if you chew um, it's not so much the tobacco it's the chemicals that they've added to it to extend the life of it uh, because the Native American tribes have smoked for you know probably hundreds if not thousands of years they're natural <clears throat> things of you know a part of their tribal practices and whatnot and they may or may not have had sicknesses but when we came to America we brought a lot of diseases to them like you just look in the history books so um, dad smoked for 25 years I think that was the reason why he got the cancer the first time not because of the cigarette the tobacco all of the extra chemicals we know that it's on the you know, it's a paragraph that's on the box. Now, back in the day, doctors used to prescribe cigarettes to people because they were paid from the tobacco industry to get people addicted to them. And there was a lot of people that said, no, back in the day, that's not true. And so <laughs> they've changed a lot of things in our history. It's good to learn our history to see how far we've come. And I don't know who introduced my dad to smoking, but I know a lot of salespeople do smoke because I've done a lot of different sales jobs and a lot of the outside sales jobs where you're like traveling to different businesses and whatnot. It's very common because it's a very stressful job to be hearing no. 98% of the time you're getting rejected. You have to have thick skin if you're a salesperson. Can I get a hallelujah from the backyard? <laughs> Dad was good at it. He was a damn good salesman. He was very quiet in the house. It's like he had two different personalities. He had to put on his big boy pants, his confident, extroverted energy self, and get out there and make that money to provide for us to keep our house. We had the same address uh, for a long time. Mom still lives there. 
I don't think she'll ever move because change is difficult for her. <laughs> She's up there in age. I don't think she'll ever move. Uh, that provided a lot of stability for us. And that was in large part because dad made the money and mom was the saver of the family. Now, when he died suddenly, when he was diagnosed with the cancer for the second time, he died within seven weeks. It was very quick. It had infiltrated his brain. He wasn't remembering people's names. He was saying things that wasn't coherent, but he remembered my name. And he was able to stay alive to fill out all of the legal documents to make sure that mom had the power of attorney and everything that needed to be handled. If you don't have a will written out and you're 40 years or older, I do recommend because especially if you got the job, a lot of people, it's going to impact differently. Now, there's some people that um, had saline things. I watched this video today. Very well done video. Uh, one of my community members had introduced it to me. Oh, what was the name of it, Father? It was on this uh, website called Rumble, um, which I had heard about, but um, we just looked it up through the Internet. It was called, I think, The Greatest Show on Earth. It was basically the history of our military and um, getting President Trump's assistance to get rid of a lot of the traitors of America and also a lot of the traitors in other nations that are a part of the deep state that are harming the children of the world and that are just doing evil things and making a lot of money in dark back corners and the dark web or whatever. Um, very well done. Uh, you should definitely watch it if you can. Um, we uh, learned a lot from that, or I should say I learned a lot from that. And I could be myself from the household that I grew up in, in the household that didn't talk politics ever. I never knew who my parents voted for. They taught us how to work. They encouraged us to be responsible citizens, very extremely conservative parents. Um, I guessed that they were Republican, but my parents never talked about politics in the house growing up because we were all busy working. Now, there wasn't so much the joy of the Lord is my strength, though, in our household. Now, we'd go to church. We were very consistent in going to church multiple times a week, but we all were slaves to the jobs. That's my opinion. Take it or leave it. It's hard being a middle-class person, either in the U.S. or, I imagine, in other nations in the last hundred years. Because there's a lot of evil people that have been profiting a lot of money. A lot of money, doing evil things. Very evil things. We're in the end times. So it makes sense why it's going to get worse and worse and worse until Jesus comes back. And it's okay. There is a hope beyond all hope and his name is Jesus Christ and that that was something that was never a question 
in our household growing up. And I knew my father was a good salesman, but I never knew I never knew what an incredible impact he made on the people in his community. All the mom and pop shops that he went to. Even people from, I believe, the Sparklets Water flew up and showed up at the funeral. One of his friends that he was a roommate for had been estranged from his family for 30 years. And my dad, in his last few days, in his last few days of life, even though the cancer had spread to his brain and he wasn't thinking logically and he was saying all kinds of weird things, the doctors, the nurses would say, he was still able to connect his longtime friend and roommate when he lived in California. He encouraged him. He says, I would like you to call your sister. Do that for me. And they spoke about it at the funeral. I didn't know. They said, we were so glad to be reconnected to our brother. Now, this man had uh, chosen to live a homosexual life, and so that had caused division in their family. And that was one of my dad's best friends, and he never judged him. One of his college buddies. In fact, my dad received counseling from him via email. in his late last few years of life. It was beautiful to hear these kind words from these people that knew my dad from a different angle, a different perspective. And it it shifted it shifted how I chose to operate in the world. And I saw, if not 500, 1,000 people in that room. It was a standing room at my dad's funeral celebration of his life. 40 years of sales jobs, people spoke customers of his spoke about how he knew the details of their family, what instruments their kids played, what sports. He'd check in on them. He knew. And he had told me, Aaron, you need to get into sales. For a long time, when there were no jobs, when I first got my degree in physical education, there were no teaching jobs because our economy was so bad that none of the retired teachers, the older teachers that should have been retired, they couldn't afford to retire. So there were no jobs that were opening up. Population problems in America. Economy problems in America for the middle class. And he kept telling me, Aaron, you can get a sales job. I said, Dad, I don't know anything about sales. He said, yes, you do. He saw skills within me that he knew was 
in our DNA and he saw my grit, my hard work, and he knew I had been doing it since I was a kid. I had businesses, little mouse business. I had a bracelet business. I was selling lemonade or whatever because we wanted to swim at the pool on Friday nights and they wouldn't let us, they wouldn't give us the money. We had to sell drinks in order to pay for our $2. We'd sell them for 10 cents a drink, you know, little Dixie cup things. And sometimes we wouldn't make our money, but he made us work to teach us responsibility. And he knew that I was going to be good at sales. I didn't realize how good he was at that and not just doing it as a job, but how it could help him connect to the community. And he learned about the different areas around the Northwest and uh, what it was like to help people out in the country and Centralia Shahela, super sweet people out there. I, I taught out there uh, as like a substitute. And I was interviewed. I was offered a job, a teaching, a music teaching job from a principal out there after graduate school. And I was so excited telling my dad that before he had passed. I said, people, people are so nice out here. He said, yeah, they're friendly because it's country and they're not so stressed. You get like that when you get out in the country. He encouraged me to take risks in life. That's what fathers, good fathers are supposed to do. He encouraged their kids to take healthy levels of risk to spread their wings. And he did a good job at that. He did a great job. I want to encourage you. We've come a long way from seven years ago. Oh boy, have we come a long way. So that year he had passed, my divorce had finalized. I decided to stop working at the gym when we found out it was cancer and I started applying for other jobs but I knew that I I needed time with my dad I made that decision I wanted to spend as much time as possible and so I was applying for um, other kinds of jobs and I got hired on at a psychiatric hospital where, where this whole move happy thing started and um, my third day with patients he died I had interviewed a month prior. The day we found out that it was cancer, but we didn't know what stage. And and then like a month later from that, he had passed away. And my boss knew it was very swift. So they were very compassionate there. And uh, they allowed me to be myself. They allowed me to ease in to the job. They slowed the pace down for me. I don't know if they did that for me or if it was just how the job was. Uh, once I got oriented, I created, along with the help of my coworkers, some of them, and Mr. Krauss, my high school choir teacher, we created five alternative therapies in about 10 months. And we added that hospital on the map in the world as the first psychiatric hospital ever to be a part of this uh, Live Happy Day, which is a part of the International Day of Happiness that is on the calendars that are uh, used in every nation in the world. And because I brought positive PR to the hospital, the CEO was supportive of it. I emailed her, inviting her to be a part of the experience, letting her know what we were doing in our hall. I wasn't afraid to reach out to leaders because I knew something told me within me that 
if you get the buy-in from the leader, everybody else will follow suit. And I learned a lot of that, I think, from a father figure, uh, Mr. Krause, that had shown us how to perform for top-level people in high school, doing college-level and above-college-level professional money-making performing. And we did that experience, and that helped bring healing to me, and it helped keep me showing up for work because they let me think out of the box. They let me add positive PR to the hospital, and because uh, my boss let me facilitate it, organize it, and say, hey, these are the needs, and then the team was great. We had a great... A varied culture, uh, varied age discrepancies. Um, the gender balance, I'd say, was uh, probably 60, 55% female. Um, we had a they, them, their employee that was in transition. So that was my first experience with identifying someone like that. And they helped me to make the Move Happy program equally representative for our LGBTQ plus community for the questionnaire. Um, it was a great, great job. It was my favorite job ever, hands down. Worst year ever. Best job to have when you lose your dad and your divorce finalized and your finances are in disarray. I didn't make enough in that particular job, though. So I was driving Uber and Lyft before and after work to pay for all of the damages, the financial disarray, the divorce, the bills that didn't get covered and the unemployment that wasn't given to me properly and the payments that I had missed and the rent that went up and uh, just the craziness of everything. Uh, made it through that though, made it through. By the following year I'd filed for chapter seven towards the end of my time there and because I had lived, moved to Federal Way, it was a part of the King County, part of the Seattle district and there were lawyers that did pro bono work to help me finalize my paperwork for free. Um, they weren't bankruptcy lawyers, but it was better than nothing. Survived that, had to pay, I think, $450 to submit the paperwork and uh, mailed it to the address on the paperwork. They lost the paperwork. The post office sent it to the wrong address, or they told me, we never received your paperwork. So then Danette Green was my uh, leader in a direct sales company I was a part of. I reached out to her because I was working and I didn't have time to take off of work. And I said, I need your help. And she said, email me the paperwork. And she printed it off and she mailed it for me and paid for the shipping. So I'm grateful for her for stepping up. She was triple gold Olympic qualified ice skating coach. She was in the 80s, she had qualified. There's three things you got to do to qualify. Just one of them can get you into the Olympics, and she tripled. She got all three. Um, very high-level professional coach. She coached <clears throat> professional ice skaters for 40 years, 38 years, something like that, long time. She was way many levels up above me, earned her Lexus and went on in this company. And that was a great culture that uh, was... The company that um, had encouraged us to add positivity wherever we were at. And the uh, leadership was good. And they went to the United Nations and added the Happy Wall Day as part of the International Day of Happiness. They showed them the research. 
in positive psychology and they got it added on the calendar and they sent us the items for the happy wall day for our patients to be able to spread honestly the love of the father they didn't get religious about it but that's exactly what they were doing they provided these cards for us blank cards that said i will share happiness by and the patients could write i will share happiness by opening a door for someone or writing a thank you card to someone or uh, whatever they could fill in the blank and then on the back this was verification of their human being status and it was tricky right because with patients the HIPAA privacy they had never done it in a hospital setting with patients and keeping the HIPAA laws protected so we asked them is it all right if we just have them do an X if they don't feel comfortable putting their their name or like maybe last four of their uh, ID number or something like that and they said it's fine they could just write WSH on there Aaron we trust you because there, there was a reason for it they were donating one dollar per card to our local big brothers and big sisters organization which is a youth mentorship program uh, for at-risk youth and it costs money to fund that program and they were giving 100 percent based on us teaching intentional positive behavior acts to teach people how to be kind to teach people how to spread happiness the love of the father now they didn't talk religion in it they just talked happiness and my boss let me apply for it and we won we were awarded it and the uh, Washington State PR came took photos of the whole event and they did a positive article in the Washington State Employee Newsletter and they emailed it out. I had no idea what they were going to do. But my CEO and my uh, job there at the hospital, she's now in politics in Washington State if she's still, if she hasn't retired yet. Uh, she was a great leader and she loved that I had invited her and I told her my mom and my aunt were going to be singing at the event and everybody knew that my dad died. Everybody at the hospital knew that because I had called the sick line to let them know that my dad had died. I didn't realize that everybody had access to the voicemail system. So it was kind of humiliating, but it also helped everybody to give me empathy and whatnot. And so I think someone probably told her, wow, Aaron's organizing this thing. And my name kept pop popping up everywhere. Cause I was like, I'm, if you let me be creative, whew, I'm unstoppable. And, uh, so she encouraged me to call or reach out to the PR of Washington State and I'm glad she did they had us all my entire team listed I wanted to have our photo all of us but they said no it needs to be just you you were the leader of it you organized it I was like well all right so we negotiated and they put all of our team members down as a part of the experience and they emailed it out to 119,000 employees and that was March of 2017 and my dad died in October of 2016 that was something positive for me to focus on a project at work so if you've lost a parent or a spouse or a loved one and you're trying to just show up to work I I totally get you because I've been there and it's tough if you can find a way to add value especially around uh, March is every year they do it and you can apply and have uh, your workplace be 
a part of this experience and they will donate on behalf of those uh, cards you can positively impact your local community youth program to make sure that at-risk youth are paired up with an adult healthy mentor and I was actually a, a big for a long time so I know what the experience is is being an actual volunteer it costs back before the pandemic it was 1400 uh, for, I think they said 1444 per year is what it costs to have a match. Um, so if you wanted to donate money, you could. Um, or you can sign up your workplace, your school, your hospital. Or you could create your own inside a mall, um, happy wall day and just have this big poster board and have like push pins or um, tape and tape up the cards and... Uh, you can, there's a website they have, um, I haven't been on it in a while, so they might have taken it down, but it's called happyacts.org, where you can see all the previous years, Happy Wall, from all over the world in multiple languages. They wanted to spread the love of the Father. That's the leader, Jeff Olson and Deborah Heise. They are faith-based people in the Christian Catholic faith, and they don't push religion down anybody's throat. Love is the most powerful force in the world. And my dad and I, his last year of life, I didn't know it was his last year. But I got my dad into that direct sales company. And I learned more about my father and his experiences working with Jim Rohn because I signed him up in uh, right around April, I think, or June, somewhere in 2015. And then he passed away October of 2016. So I had a year, a little over a year, every week, my dad and I would check in, He's, he got four customers in ten in his first 10 days, my dad was very good at sales, and it bumped up his mood, his level of depression, if you have one kidney, if you've uh, lost it, or any um, organ in your body, it makes you more susceptible to being depressed, if you have ailments you're dealing with, chronic pain, if you're overweight, obese, it makes you more susceptible to depression. I've done a lot of research in the last seven years, and we will always have more to learn because it's such a complex issue. It's the most expensive condition in the world, and it's the least financially supported in the workplace. Uh, they're starting to make positive changes in the workplace I'm your I'm your global ambassador. We're we are uh, thirteen days away from contracts being signed. My husband and I own every title together. We share everything. That's what my mom demonstrated growing up. Because dad was gone a lot, working and financially providing for us. Um, holidays, mom would wrap the gifts and she would write either from Jesus <laughs> or from mom and dad or from dad. She always gave credit to other people. She was the most humble lady and she showed me, prepared me, I think, to be a good wife. I haven't been able to communicate to my husband at all in a year and a half. It's been very difficult. The level of evil that has infiltrated America and around the world that has spread the poison. But um, 
I, I met my husband in 2020 because I had leaned into this calling very, very swiftly leaned in. I had a lot of pain that I had just stuffed and just kept serving other people and never learned how to deal with the pain. Everybody deals with pain differently, and I am tough. I learned that, I think, from being a granddaughter of a World War II veteran. And it's okay to have depression. It's okay. You're pretty normal if you have it, especially after the pandemic. We all have a little mental illness. Everybody does. That's my philosophy. Everybody's got a little bit of something. It's uh, it's how quickly can you bounce back. And the biggest financial industries are the pharmaceutical, I think. And they desired to pay me for my networking skills. 18 months after I leaned in, $200 billion medical group wanted to pay me to organize events that I was already organizing for free because it's how the father designed me. And uh, I'm believing they will pay and we're going to do all kinds of therapy things to change how we operate and treat people with mental health conditions to not just shove pills down your throat and, and tell you this is the only way, uh, but to really customize it based on the customer's needs. And I owe that to my rock star father. <clears throat> For one, being a person, an adult, a man, a father, a grandfather with depression who toughed it out a long time but died too soon. And for two, suffering and not even feeling safe to speak up about it his entire life until the last couple of years. No child wants their parents to suffer if you love your parents. And in our faith system, it says to honor your father and your mother. I was reading yesterday, Deuteronomy, I said that earlier. It got very graphic in Deuteronomy. If you want to hear about how they used to handle rebellious kids back then, read Deuteronomy. They will, they, back in the day, they stoned the rebellious kids. So when they said, honor your father and mother, it was life or death. So this positive parenting movement that has gone around, I mean, I believe there are all kinds of ways we can parent children. Now, in our society, in our nation, it is illegal to leave bruises and welts on children's bodies that last more than, I think, like a few seconds. You're allowed to spank little kids, but what you're not allowed to do is grab a switch anymore. But when I was growing up, that's what Dad did because he learned that from his dad, World War II. We learn from our military and how strict they are. And our military has gotten really soft in the last hundred years. 
all of the veterans are nodding their heads yes as they're listening to this right now. And 100 years before that, I'm sure they were even softer, right? And 100 years before that, they were, I mean, not softer, they were rougher, right? Tougher. Rougher and tougher. Now there's ebb and flow. There's positives and negatives with that. For whatever reason, the father of all of us, the creator of the universe, decided in 2018 there was going to be a shift in mental health. I knew that because he called me very specifically that I was going to be the person to help those struggling with their depression and that it was going to be so simple. The three pillars of, of Move Happy was mindset, community, fitness, that I was going to teach people how to bring healing to their mind because he healed me instantly instantly and it's not a holistic or medications it's all of it and it's what works best for you now that's frustrating to people that just want you to tell them what to do some people need that some people need you to just tell them what to do and they'll let you know that but the problem with that is that there's no one cookie cutter way for dealing with a complex diagnosis. So that's why you need to keep listening to the show. You need to keep reading the content if you're struggling and maybe you <clears throat> absorb our information for a while and then you go try it out, test it out and see how you're doing. And if you are struggling, you're going through a tough season and you come back and you hang out with us for a little while. Get plugged into volunteering services, um, volunteering with kids or missionary work. I never regretted when I was doing service for other people. It doesn't fix the pain inside though. That's, that's the thing. It's a distraction for a little while. It could bring you joy, but true healing comes from the father. True healing comes from spending time with him in his word, praying, meditating, worshiping, he gives you true healing, full healing, when you ask him to, in his timing. And in the last three years, it's been the worst three years of my life, but it's been very eye-opening to seeing how far people are away from the Father. Even I was distant from him. I've gotten so close to the Father because it's been life or death for me. It's been life or death. I didn't realize that in America, in God We Trust, which is on every single coin, every single bill, that there was so many evil people that make a lot of money that could just pay to have you killed. I didn't think that I would disrupt their uh, business operations that badly by being myself and not having a big social media presence and not having business loans. There is a power when you lean in to how the Father has designed you. And in 18 months after leaning into the calling, the Father said, um, you need help. I'm sending you help. And uh, I, got, I got presidential security protections. And they created a position for me that the Lord had assigned to me in 2018. They confirmed it in the physical realm. All because I decided to help other fathers like my father. 
not struggle with depression. For the longest time, I was only helping men. I was trying to help men. But men were being inappropriate, sexually inappropriate, sending me all kinds of weird DMs, thinking that I was trying to date them. It's been the most challenging experience trying to help people that need the help, but don't either want the help, tell you they do, but they don't really, or they are military trained and they have been a part of the people that have tested me to see if I'm a part of these nasty people that abduct the kids and are just good at taking payouts. It's like the reason why they helped me, I think, was because they were first analyzing to see why I received such a great offer from a $200 billion medical entity group to be paid for my networking skills. And then they didn't think I was that big of a deal, so they decided to allow this group to hack into my stuff and basically rape all of my business intellectual properties and everything. Blocked me, my whole business, everything I thought was stolen. That was the beginning of the contest. They were testing me to see if I would continue doing it even if everything had been stripped of me. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. And the military don't play around. They don't mess around with anybody that's involved in the harming of children. And that was right when uh, they had released a few months before that about the Epstein scandal. And I was like, what in the world? There is some weird people in the world. I had no idea. I knew there was people that were weird, but I didn't realize that I could connect so quickly to those people because they were reaching out to try to get me to join their cult. I didn't know what the Illuminati was. I had never heard of the deep state. I've had to learn a lot about politics, about our government, about security protections, and I am so grateful. So grateful that I have just been obedient what the Father has told me to do, and I'm also grateful for our military for training me. They didn't send me some half-ass, mediocre person that just got out of boot camp. And if you just got out of boot camp, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to you. I needed 911 top-level emergency protections because they had infiltrated our first responder space, and they had erased a non-emergency, I called, it's not 911, but I called a non-emergency line to get a man a welfare check in 2020, and my technology started getting compromised, he and I were off and on dating, we had some business things, Um, I was trying to help him, he was trying to help me, but then I realized that he was not of sound mind and had planned and started acting out the plans of killing his own mother and it wasn't the first time that year it was the second time he had major bipolar disorder and he wasn't being treated by anybody he said that doctors refused to speak to him his son had committed suicide 18 months before that or thereabouts he gave me different time frames so he was in major PTSD anything would set him off and I never knew what was going to set him off for example there was a reflection of a little night lamp I had turned it on, and it sent him into a panic, and he was screaming at the top of his lungs because I didn't let him know that I was going to turn the light on right there. And it had reminded him of when he was being interrogated, I think, from, like, the FBI or whoever was interrogating him after 
his son had ended his life. He didn't want to take responsibility for the fact that he had caused his son to kill himself. But I witnessed it within my own mental health after being around him for a few months. He had some demons in him, and he wasn't getting medicated for it. And he was a master manipulator. I had reported him to the authorities based on advice from someone that used to be in my circle that was doing, he had the desire to do celebrity consulting for the movie industry. He had just retired from the DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, for 20 or 30 years of service. He worked internationally. He was a knowledgeable guy. And he gave me some advice when I said I had suspected he was messing with my tech, but I couldn't confirm it. He told me, get him a welfare check. The people, the authorities will come in with their uniforms off and they will check on his mental well-being. It'll piss him off, but he won't bother you anymore. It, in fact, did not happen because they erased the call and it got worse for me. And that was why I needed emergency assistance from another person in my connections, in my network. But what I didn't realize back then was that there was 18,250 people that had been planning it since 2018 when the Lord had first assigned me this calling because they are making a lot of money stealing children from all kinds of organizations, departments, families that are fighting with their kids, and they sell them off, or they have birthing centers in certain areas of the world. I had no idea about any of that stuff. You need to watch that movie that I referred to earlier. I think it's called The Greatest Show on Earth. It's not really a movie. It's like an hour or so. It was very well done. They explain a lot of the last, like, 12, 15 years or so, since I think 2011, they went back, so like 13 years, 12 years. Um, and they also include references for you to, to do your own due diligent research. That is what I've tried to do since I started leaning into this calling. I decided there was so much information about how to grow your brand online in the beginning. I was like, well, I'm going to follow accounts that have big followings and Gary Vaynerchuk had a big following and I liked his style and he was teaching people a lot of stuff for free and so I applied some of his things and in the beginning and then I said well I got to make it my own style so I decided to lean in based on my graduate school experience in reading uh excuse me um research and my dad would always do uh, he would check my papers and whatnot. Mom would get him involved in our school by having him evaluate, edit our papers. He was very good with grammar and whatnot. And she wanted him to know what we were getting into for school. And so um, in graduate school, I'm trying to think if he read, I know my mom read some of my papers and whatnot. I started writing a lot more and they started saying, okay, you need to write less in grad school. It's, it's all about condensing and getting concise with your information, which is nice if you're considering getting a master's degree or a PhD. And uh, I decided for my content online that I wanted to attract my target audience. In the beginning, I wanted to attract uh, smart people, like researchers, doctors, because I knew that the calling from the Lord was to help improve people with depression. So I knew that I was going to be reaching out to those that work with them with depression. So they'd have to be like psychologists, psychiatrists, and so I made it very intentional, like a, I was just testing it out, just trying it out to see if it would work. Like a research paper. And research papers have an introduction. 
They have like a methods section. They have a results section. Um, I forget all the parts, but each day in the beginning, and I've tried all kinds of different ways. I don't think it matters as long as you're consistent and you just show up online. But it grew very swiftly in a very short amount of time. And within, I'd say, probably a couple of weeks of doing Instagram ads, this Illuminati group, which is the group at the richest, highest level that abduct the children and sacrifice them on the Epstein Island and on these private places for the mega rich to stay looking younger. That's, that's the level of protection I received. That's what they told me. That's what they do in private. I said, how do you know that? They said, I, I have connections. I only met two guys, one from Biden's team, the security team, and one from Trump's team. The guy from Biden's team sent me because he was brand new in his role, and he sent me to Trump's team. But the guy that I worked with, he never admitted who he worked for. Trump is a very humble man, and he hires the best smart military that don't. They're not, that are not braggadocious because they also realize that if I could be captured, I could be um, tortured for information. And that's the level of training and security I was trained on. So he explained things like that to me in a calm way to confirm of the kinds of people that were protecting me because they both had experienced some level of, of my positivity and my content. And... I imagine they're both maybe fathers or father figures. I can't confirm or deny that. But I do know that they're true patriots. One of them was threatened six months later and did what he had to do. I'm going to forgive him fully. Because he's a veteran and the Lord told me to forgive him. So I'm going to. I'm going to forgive him in front of my husband and in front of my mother. And he's going to sign an accountability contract. He's not going to accept any payments anymore from anybody for killing anybody on American soil or stealing from American business owners in order to get government leaders things that they want. It's not a healthy use of government power. So he's going to sign a contract. We're all going to sign it, all the presidents that are alive, all the first ladies, Oprah Winfrey, my pastors, Joel and Victoria Osteen, Tony Robbins and his wife, Sage, of whom I adore. And I adore how much Tony loves her and edifies her. Beyonce and her husband, Jay-Z, are going to be in the room as well. Everybody gets a copy of this accountability contract, and it's going to outline uh, our positions. My husband's in my position in the world for the rest of our lives as global mental health ambassadors and first ever chief spiritual officers of America. We're bringing spiritual health back to America. And I imagine there's going to be chief spiritual officers of every major nation that we can meet, maybe on an annual or biannual basis, because the pandemic put a lot of fear into people's lives, into their minds on purpose to cause isolation, separation, and it was biological warfare that was created by evil people that released diseases on man on purpose. And they are and have been releasing the truth in the last few months. It's a part of the plans of the enemy. And it's, it's something that the Lord allowed to have happen. The Lord allows for famine to happen in the world. 
The Lord allows for plagues to happen in the world when evil people are in power for too long and they are allowing for slavery. Now, the harming and abducting of children is the largest fast-growing and trafficking of human beings and slavery of humans. It's the largest, fastest-growing business in the history of the world. So the Lord is very angry at these people that are trying to hide it in private. If you haven't seen the Sound of Freedom movie, I strongly encourage you to go see it. My father, my father is a rock star. He's been gone for seven years. Tomorrow will be seven full years. And I'm so glad I didn't give up. I'm so glad I didn't in my life when I was struggling for 18 years off and on with suicidal ideations. Your thoughts are not your thoughts. I want you to know that. If you're struggling, if, you're, if you've experienced PTSD and you're having a hard time, if you're not getting good sleep, lack of sleep, you're five times more likely to contemplate suicide compared to war-related trauma. That is what Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman said on the Move Happy Movement podcast when I interviewed him in 2020. He's been featured on 60 Minutes 2020. His reading materials are required for all DEA drug enforcement agents of the United States of America. He gave of his time for me because someone recommended him in my community on LinkedIn in 2020 just by leaning in. That was less than 18 months from the calling on my life. I've leaned in. I've hustled. I've studied. I've learned from leaders in different spaces, and I have a high level of respect for our military, and they invited me at the top level that protects all the presidents of the United States of America. They invited me into their organization. Not all of them, Many of them thought I was weird in 2020. Maybe there's still some that think I'm weird, and that's okay. You could still be effective and be weird. I married the top man that protects President Trump. Now, he'd lie to your face, and he'd tell you he don't work for him. He would tell you, I can't tell you who I work for, and he did the same thing to me, and he told me he wasn't a part of any group. He denied everything because he was protecting me from knowing anything in case something bad happened, and it did 19 days after we got married. He made a commitment to my mother that he would keep me alive, keep me safe, and protect me. He made a commitment to my father, spiritually in heaven, that he would keep me alive and keep me safe. And when the Illuminati deep state people destroyed my business partnership with my friend of seven years, former friend, black female warrant officer, threatened her to disassociate from me for a year. She didn't reach out to me for over a year, blocked our email communications, on purpose, forced her to call me, and then they traced the phone call committing treason on American soil when they knew they all worked together in 2020 and they tried to cover their trail. That's the worst leadership in power ever. That is poison. And they're trying to arrest President Trump after they asked him for his help to provide me security protection so that they could spy in on what his team was doing to decrease his likeliness of getting back in power. It's war games. War games, and I'll tell you the truth because I got no shits left to give. My father, my father's number one core value is honesty. He taught me that at a very young age. I am always honest. I've had to learn that sometimes I don't need to say everything. That's the level of training I received. 
only time I would ever lie is if I had to protect my life, my husband's life, or protect America. I love America. I'm a patriot. I'm a true patriot. And I'm learning how to spread the love of the Father while also being able to continue being myself and grow into a more confident woman. I desire to be that Proverbs 31 woman. If you don't know anything about that, look it up. I will be reunited to my husband. We've had zero contact in a year and a half because of the worst contest ever because you can't compete with cheaters. I don't. I refuse to compete with cheaters. They've stolen all of my intellectual properties, all of my connections, associations, and they've told everyone that I'm mentally insane over the last three years. Anytime I posted anything about my journey, it's been the worst three years of my life, but it's been eye-opening because I married the best. I married the very best man in the world, not because of his power, his position, his money, none of that, because I'm going to make my own money. I'm going to be very rich, and, I, and my husband loved that, my desire is to help the poor. I grew up from very humble beginnings with parents that believed in the unit of family, believed in marriage at all costs, even if one was infidelitous. There is nothing that can separate you from your spouse if you have the love of the Father connecting you and keeping you connected. Unless, of course, there's spousal, spousal abuse. We don't support that. <clears throat> we believe in love. We, be, we believe in forgiveness. And we believe in the power of marriage. And I learned that from my parents. My dad, who was a rock star. I know he's shining down from heaven. I know he will be very glad to see my brother in that room as well. Because this evil, deep state Illuminati, they tried to destroy my brother's life long before I got a smartphone. And I grew up in the hood with gang members next door, drug dealers next door, all kinds of thieves, all kinds of people. Nobody messed with us because my parents were driving everybody to church when they were in junior high. We were covered. We were protected by the love of the Father. And these thieves, these evil people, that are the pedophiles of the world in this Illuminati cult. All these celebrities and pharmaceutical people, all these, they're nasty. And they thought they could get away with just bullying me and that I'd give up and quit this contest. I'm not a quitter. I've never quit anything in my life except for track when I was 14, because that was when I was first diagnosed with something. The Lord has grown my resiliency muscles. He's grown my spiritual skills to learn how to hone in on my spiritual gifts, my visions from Him. And He speaks to me throughout the day. I never know when He's going to give me a song or a therapy. He's, he's gifted me 52 alternative therapies in 37 years of life. Just one of those therapies alone, I know, is a trillion dollars at least, because it's a, it's a cyclical business. If you're an author, you write a book, 
and it becomes a bestseller, you sell 2 million copies, that's a lot, or 200 million, whatever. Students are required in college to read their textbooks, psychology professors, and in order to keep your psychology degree, your psychiatry degree, your social worker degree, you have to go and get continuing education. So the Lord equips his children with ways of which to build wealth. I read that yesterday. Was it in Deuteronomy? I don't think it was. It was in one of the scriptures that the Lord had gifted to me. The more you choose love, the love of the Father, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, long-suffering, all those things. If you follow what Jesus did on the earth, he will open up doorways that no man can shut. If you choose to be generous to others, he will give you more and more and more. And so my promise to everybody, and I've said this many times on the podcast, but if this is your first time listening to the show, by my 40th birthday forward for the rest of my life, my intention is for us, my husband and I, to live off of 10% and to give away 90% of the money flowing through Aaron Nicole Ministries and everything will be transparent so everybody can see where we're making our money, who's paying us, what businesses, so that we are protecting the integrity of our ministries so that you can see that we're not involved in any of these evil um, harming of the the children or people of the world and slowly in in I would say slowly in the right perfect timing of the father he's removing the poison of the earth people have the opportunity to repent and come back to him or to be obliterated off the face of the earth those are their options and a hundred generations of their family history wiped off the face of the earth that's what the Lord said. I don't make threats. I don't need to make threats. I married the most fierce, trained assassin in the world. And they tried to have us killed last year. I have zero fucks left to give. That's the level of faith you got to have. If you have a big assignment in the world, and my husband and I do, I can't wait to see him. And I, I can't, I can't wait to hug my brother who I haven't seen it's been way too long and for him to get that big check for him to be reminded just because I'm the youngest doesn't mean I can't get stuff handled for our family (laughs) I don't forget when people disrespect my family now I'm working on forgiving and forgetting because the Lord tells us to let go of things so I'm learning I'm learning to be more like Jesus Christ And when I stand up for myself, I teach you how to stand up for yourself. I'm responsible. My husband and I are responsible for 1.56 billion people in the world that are struggling with depression. That's what the Lord revealed to me a few months ago. It's a big assignment. He assigned it to me. I asked the Lord, how can I serve you? Use me, Father. And he showed me my purpose. So I encourage you to do that as well. All right, the Father is wanting me to go to the New Testament. First John. First John four, 
9. God's love and ours, it says. Let's see here, verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Keep reading, Father. Yes, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him, and he is, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God. Whom he has not seen, and he has given us this command whoever loves God must also love his brother. Oh, that was beautiful. That was very perfectly timed to what I just told you. Anything else, Father, you'd like? Okay, he wants me to go to 1 Corinthians, which is also in the New Testament, but a little bit before. 1 Corinthians. Four, three. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. Now, brothers, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not take pride in one man over against another, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have become kings. And that without us, how I wish that you really had become kings so that we might be kings with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. We are fools for Christ, 
but we are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. Yes, Father. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you. As my dear children, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I am sending to you, <clears throat> Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a whip, or in love, and with a gentle spirit? There you have it, folks. Anything else, Father? All right, James. It's also in the New Testament. <clears throat> James 3.3 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Keep reading. Okay, two kinds of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers 
who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. All right, he wants me to keep reading. Chapter 4, submit yourselves to God. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Okay, last section here, boasting about tomorrow. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Okay. <clears throat> so if you'd like to have a personal relationship with the Heavenly Father where he can live inside you and guide your every step and help you have an outstanding abundant life, um, it is free. No one can sell it to you. You can't earn it. Uh, but you do need to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for this gift of salvation. Father, I know that I am a sinner in need of your forgiveness. Father, please come into my heart and show me better ways to live, to make better decisions, to be kinder and more loving to others. Thank you, Father, I receive this gift. I thank you in your heavenly name, I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that, or for the first time, we want to welcome you to the family. Your next step is to get plugged into a Bible-based church. You want to keep God first place. And um, any ask, Father? Okay, exercise bands. Uh, if you have any exercise bands or you can purchase some, send them to Uruguay. I might be pronouncing that wrong. Um, to our U.S. military and the USO um, they have some I guess some workout places over there uh, workout the resistance bands are they could be really
helpful for people, not just for exercise, but if they've had like an injury, um, to help them with rehabilitation and whatnot, um, through like the physical therapy departments and whatnot, they, they must be, um, needing some equipment out there. So if you have the money, the means, or if you have some extra equipment that's, um, in good, you know, working order, doesn't have any tears in it, whatnot, send it on over. And, um, if anybody's allergic to latex, if you've got any non-latex ones, I know, um, when I was in grad school, one of our, one of my co-pack uh, instructors, she had a late, a very bad latex allergy, so she had a special pack of bands that she put in her own baggie, because um, she would go into anaphylactic shock, so if you got any of those resistance bands that are latex-free, you feel like shipping on over, if you feel the Lord's uh, putting it on your heart to do so, go for it. Anything else, Father, before I close up shop? Okay, he's got one more verse for you, and then I'm, and I'll probably wrap it up. Galatians two nine. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. A couple more verses. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We, who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Amen. Anything else, Father? He says, sing it beautifully. All right, here, here we go. I'm working on I haven't sang much today. <laughs> Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>